So how does it feel? It feels like for once in your life you have money in your bank account. And I remember exactly this moment when I took the check. I went to the restaurant and I did. I made it. It starts with just taking that leap. Man, you have to work hard. You have to be incredibly smart. Choose something that even if it fails, even if it fails you are going to be proud of it. doesn't matter how badly you got beaten down. Be kind, be kind, be kind. Become a better person, a better leader, a better business. Go with your gut. <laughs> I'm Samuel Donner, and this is Finding Founders. My name is Stéphane Roland. I'm a French citizen, and I'm an entrepreneur. Can you tell me about like what was running through your mind a couple of years after you're you're you know finishing up your your education? You decide to found this thing, Loft TV. Where does the idea come to you, and what are those first steps? So, as I mentioned, I've always been an entrepreneur. I did like several small businesses before, but this one was the first big one. It was exactly in 2000. I was 25. Wow. I immediately identified that internet would be the revolution. And at this time, it was mostly, um, you know, writings and sounds. And I understood that the future of the internet would be video. So streaming. So do you assemble a team or are you just hacking in your basement? Like, what are you doing? So basically, when we created the company, it was in uh, June 2000. So it was right after the bubble burst, so the worst moment you could create uh, a startup. So I assembled a team with friends of mine. We were five, actually, um, French friends in Paris. Um, obviously, I had to resign from my work. Every, everyone else did the same. No one was paid. We raised you know, very little money, very little. So it was quite a million of francs. So basically... Let's say today it would be the equivalent of $60,000. So with that $60,000, where you, do you allocate your, your money? And like, who are you looking? Are you looking to anyone for guidance? Or like, how are you thinking about steps forward? Uh, basically, we purchase computers. Computers were expensive at this time. You didn't even have computers. Oh my God. No, we need to purchase computers. See, I'm thinking like you already have, you have this idea for an internet company. You guys already have computers, but you don't even have the baseline yet. That's incredible. But at this time, actually, I was wrong because it was too early. I was, you know, that's a problem with business. Sometimes you're right, but you're right too early. It's, it's, it's difficult when you uh, you are convinced by something, but you don't raise money, and you're in the middle. You're basically was the entrance, the, the beginning of a march through the desert, you know, because after the bubble exploded for the next three years, there was nothing. Everything was wiped out. No money, no investment, no money to pay, no customers. That was really harsh. But when it's harsh, this is when there is opportunities because it was harsh for us, but it was harsh for all the competition. So basically, we were the guide, the Yahoo, for everyone who wanted to go to see streaming. So if you wanted to go to, you know, you want to watch streaming, you want a portal. It's going to tell you what is the best best content, what the best channel, what search engine and everything. We were generating some decent traffic, especially we got good article in the media. But that was not enough to make money, especially the price we call CPM cost per, per meal. The revenue from the ads looked like dropping like crazy. Yeah, because there was no trust in the internet market at that time, right? Because you just pre-bust or post-bust. The good idea um, uh, we got was actually to white label the product. So basically what we did, we pivoted from B2C to B2B. 
So instead of selling our content for advertisements to the general consumer, we are basically selling our content to the big platforms so they can use it and we get money from them. And at the moment we were able to do that, mm -hmm. we hit uh, two success. One financial because we get stabilized income. And second is because we have the control of the traffic and that put us in a position where we have a lot of leverage. But what did it feel like for you to actually sell this then? How does it feel? It feels like for once in your life you have money in your bank account. <laughs> It's a nice feeling. Yes, yes. And I remember exactly this moment when I took the check. I went to the restaurant and I did. I made it. That's an amazing feeling. I mean, it's like, it's what so many, I feel like entrepreneurs look towards is like, can they make this idea that they have in their heads sustainable? And like, can they make it viable in the real world? And so many ideas die in the process and to, to, to sell it or to get to um, profitability, that's like a sign that your idea is, is, is running in the, in the real world. That, that is one thing that is a, a common denominator in all my businesses is they got to be profitable because we don't raise money. You bootstrap all your businesses. Correct. Hmm. And is the reason that you do that because you want to retain ownership? I think the reason is because I'm not compatible uh, with uh, an investor who's going to tell me what I should do. It's if I'm an entrepreneur, it's because I'm stubborn for first. Every entrepreneur are stubborn by definition. Otherwise, they cannot survive. When there is a VC, the VC is going to tie you to uh, everything he can in order for him to being his beast. That's something that would not work with me. So even when I tried, I was not able to, you know, raise significant money because of this personality. So was it because you couldn't raise or was it because you don't want to raise? It's it's both, as you mentioned. It's both. It's first you you try because you always, it's in the human brain to trace, always try to go the easy way. So the easy way is to take money, right? To you take the money, true? yes. Is it actually the it's easier the way? way at the beginning, but it becomes a much harsher way along the road, especially when it's about taking decision, then you're going to have to fight with someone who is stronger than you and you will not be equipped to, and, and quite often you get even kicked out from your company. That's something very common, especially when you reach a certain level. You know, VCs invest first round, first, you know, second round, usually you're out at the third round uh, because they put their own people. And I think It's easier at the beginning because you get money, a lot of money. You pay yourself, you pay your people. It's easier. But when you get kicked out from your baby, uh, that becomes... You I've seen both sides of the coin. Like you're kind of saying, no, you can do it on your own. It's going to be harder initially, but more rewarding later. And then I see other friends who have taken on a, a partner or venture capital and have gotten extremely great guidance from that and have been able to build something in two years much more quickly than anyone else I know in that time period. Like to build like, you know, tens of millions of dollar company in two years would have been impossible without that guidance and without like those people showing, hey, like this is where you can slip up. No, no, I, I, totally, I totally agree with what you're saying. When you raise money, you, you definitely go faster. That's no question. You, you, you cannot build a billion dollar company without raising money. You need the fuel. But it, it all depends what you want. Do you want to build a billion dollar company or do you want to build something smaller but more sustainable? If people give you money, it would be stupid to refuse it. It's all about what the conditions are. And if you want to partner with someone who is much more experienced, if you think you are compatible with this person, which is the most important question, 
I would recommend you to do it because you will take a lot of things from this person. And it's better to take the lesson from this person that you learn by yourself the hard way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I like for the past like three years, I've been kind of grinding on my own businesses. And it's like, I've learned so much, but I, I feel like it's time to, to work more closely with someone that is way more experienced than I am. Because then you can just learn more. The cast uh, was founded in 2007, right? When you're an entrepreneur, the idea changed. You are to pivot. It, it's never ended the way you are thinking of. The initial idea was actually a, um, a multicast peer-to-peer system to do uh, live streaming. The, the cost of the bandwidth at this time was very expensive, and I was seeing content that people would watch. Like, for example, I don't know, like the soccer in Europe, in the US. But it was not available for, for technical reasons. And so the only way you could solve this issue was actually using peer-to-peer system. We rented a patent that was allowing to do live streaming for cheap price, basically. The price of the bandwidth dropped drastically, which was a good thing. And the revenue from ads, video ads, increased significantly, making the business profitable. This is a different idea than your your first idea in 2000, yet it's related, right? It's video streaming online, essentially. One, do you think when you start creating businesses in a particular niche, you should burrow into that niche? And two, how did you approach this company differently than your first company? Basically, every company I've started was systematically somewhere I didn't have any knowledge. Of course, it's always easier to work in a field that you know very well because that gives you a huge advantage. But you should not be limited to that. And as an example, as I mentioned, I built a company in CRM, email marketing, property management company, real estate investment companies, even restaurants, laundromats. Every time I've done that was for the first time. It's always better to do something you know but getting out of your comfort zone is also very important. It seems like Dacast was your, it was one of your bigger companies. Yeah, Dacast is, is still one of my biggest companies, definitely. There's like 60 people working for it. It generates $10 million revenue from a bootstrap company. It's not bad. What, what did you change in your leadership style and how you created the business from your first company to Dacast? The difference is you see with the time you, you see things coming, you develop reflex. And, and the other thing is, is you know, you, you don't have the choice. You work with people usually that no one else wants because you don't have the money to pay, you know, the market price. Now I feel like it's better to work with the right people. Like work with the A team, right? Like before you can only hire the misfits. Now you can you can hire all A players because you have the capital. Exactly, exactly. This is an incredible luxury. Uh, doesn't mean it's the only solution, but it makes things much easier. Wrapping up, what is one piece of advice that you wish that you knew when you first started your company? What advice would you give to an entrepreneur that's starting with their first like big business, their first shot at something uh, larger. What would, you, what would you say to that person? Uh, recently, I've heard uh, a sentence from uh, Otto von Bismarck. You know, he was the founder of Germany. And it's these stupid people learn from their mistake. I learn from other people's mistake. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, and share with a friend. 
If you have any questions or comments, DM us at Finding Founders Podcast on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Finding Founders is produced and hosted by me, Samuel Donner. Our chief of staff and operations is Jessica Lin. Our audio editing team lead is Adrian Tapia. Support from Irene Van Breckel, Matt Fernandez, Renee B. Cannon, Sophia Donner, Maura Lynch, Zoe Maddox, Ashley Jimenez, Michael Chung, Nicholas Guzman, Aaron Devereaux, Sanessa Gisley, and Lois Choi. Our outreach and research lead is Kenny Ong, with support from Sarah Hobson, Melody Sopani, Cherise Tan, Jake Wiley, Ibadat Rai, and Mecca Shelton. Our writing team lead is Elizabeth Bowen with support from Abigail Azardia, Elise Caldwell, Jake Wiley, Jordan Ortiz, and Sanessa Gisley. Our design team lead is Shruti Ramanand with support from Sohail Amatya, Tiffany Dang, Jonathan Wass, and Diana Marie Kandazin. To see more of what we're up to, subscribe to our newsletter at findingfounders.co. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.